Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome Friday Start Sit Fantasy Football Show. I am your host, Matt Kajeski, and I am here with my good friend, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Fantasy. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this video and all others go live. So, we are here. Start, sit, decisions. If you have questions, throw those into the chat, and Kyle and I will get to those throughout the show. But before we do, Kyle, what an exciting game we had last night. Denver taking on the Jets. It is everything we wanted that that Chiefs-Ravens game to be. Went over the total, scored a ton of points, maybe not in the ways we expected. But what do you make of that game we saw last night? Maybe maybe a turnaround spot here for Denver? Is Adam Gase going to get fired? I'm not really sure what to make of it. Dude, Adam Gase, how how could a team employ Adam freaking Gase after that? How could they ever employ him? But how could they employ him after that? Oh, my God. He's so incredibly bad. And that dovetails nicely into don't play any Jets. Jameson Crowder is in play, I guess. He's going to get a lot of targets. His target share numbers are going to be nice. And, you know, he's a guy who generally has a low dot, so it shouldn't be too hard for Sam Donald, who's already not very good, now dealing with this, like, shoulder sprain. Still shouldn't be that hard for him to hit Jamison Crowder. I think Crowder topped 100 yards. It was like kind of garbage time-esque, but uh, late in the game, hit the 100-yard bonus. Definitely helped me min-cash some on showdown. Outside of that, don't play any Jets on the other side of the ball. Tim Patrick had a good game, but I did see that KJ Hamler went uh, ended up not being able to finish the game, so I don't know how much we can rely on that. Rippin played well enough. They got the win, so it is what it is. I'm not too confident starting any receivers. Noah Fant got hurt, which really sucks. He was a young ascending tight end, crazy athletic, awesome college production. We'll have to see, you know, some update on him. You can play Jerry Judy, but he didn't even, you know, outproduce Tim Patrick. So you can't be excited about it. I played him in one league. I feel very happy that I got that touchdown, but I feel fortunate. I'm not banking on that touchdown. He's more of a deep flex play. Avoid playing players on bad teams should be the go-to. Melvin Gordon may be the only guy, if these two teams met up again, I would ever feel confident in playing just because, you know, his market share numbers in the backfield are always going to be nice. Even when Philip Lindsay returns, I'm not sure how much we see of Lindsay. We saw some of him in week one, I believe it was like seven carries and a target or two. Gordon will probably still have a good enough projection. It will be ideal, but the state of running back right now with all these injuries, you, you can't bench Gordon unless you went five running backs to start your draft. So you're playing Gordon. I don't know. Bench everyone else if it's at all possible. Yeah, I agree. You're probably not trying to play anyone in Denver or New York if you can. I, you know, it's funny. Some of the biggest takeaways from this game probably aren't even related to the teams. Like the turf at MetLife just continues to just steal souls. And I don't know what it is that players eventually are going to just not play there willingly. We're seeing players increasingly have their own voice. But, you know, outside of that, I tried to look at just some usage stuff. You know, like Denver was in positive game script really for the first time this year. They ran 32 times and passed 31. I, I think that's what they want to do. I think they won't have much success. Their offensive line is in shambles. But, yeah, I mean, outside of that, anything else you saw? The Jets, I'm not really trying to play a single player from that team. Yeah, I mean, like Sam Darnold doesn't doesn't look very good. They're, that, they're, run, though, I believe that run, though. That was – oh, my God, that was so tilting because uh, luckily I kind of uh, – I, I was like talking about being lower on Sam Darnold and uh, on, on the live before lock. Osmo kind of talked me into getting a little exposure to Sam Darnold at captain, just enough that uh, kind of hedged out of a really 
disappointing night not playing a lot of Sam Darnold. I, that was like I think he that was more yards on that run than he had in a game before in his entire career, single game. So don't expect that to happen again. Don't ever play Sam Darnold. Don't play you know players on bad teams. I'd rather take a player with a lower market share on a team where I know he could actually have a chance of scoring a touchdown. Whereas you're just like never going to get a touchdown under Chris Hogan. I don't think. I agree. He's out there running wind sprints. It's it's funny you mentioned Darnold's rushing. I saw a statistic on Twitter this morning that Sam Darnold actually now has more yards after contact than Frank Gore this year. It's a fluke. It's a fluky <laughs> stat, but but it is currently true. And you know, speaking of the injury situation at MetLife, just stealing souls week after week. That is our first topic. We have a topical discussion for the Start Sit Show. Usually, what we do here is answer your questions. If you have them in the chat, get them out there. Kyle and I will address all of them. And in the meantime. We're going to talk about the most important topics dealing with starts and decisions. And the first one is injuries. This week, we actually don't have a ton of people going into the week that are looking like game time decisions. There's actually some marquee players expected to return. Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, they've both returned to practice. Devontae Adams returned in a limited fashion. He does play on the Monday night game. A little bit of added concern there. We also just saw Alan Lazard in that same offense go down. He has core muscle injury, had surgery on that. So Adams' return would be a big, big factor for the Green Bay Packers. Can you start Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams in their return from injury with confidence? Yeah, assuming they return, they are the entirety of their offense. I know I saw a report earlier that Michael Thomas is still not guaranteed to play, but all signs do generally point to him playing. So if they're going to be on the field, it's not like you're saying, oh, well, Christian Kirk could be back. Maybe you get some non-win sprint targets from him. These are guys who control nearly the entirety of their passing game when they're healthy. I don't care if they're at 100%, 75%, 50%. You'd have to get to a point where like they wouldn't be playing for me to actually not play them. So any guy who is as much of a stud as either Devontae Thomas or Mike or Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas are, if they're on the field, I am playing them without hesitation. For sure. I, I completely agree with that. I, I think you run the risk somewhat of them coming out being a decoy, but you mentioned it. These teams just don't really have any other viable pass catchers. The Saints are going to use Alvin Kamara as the wide receiver one if Michael Thomas sits. The Packers are now down to Marquez Valdez-Scanling. I mean, Aaron Jones honestly might be the best pass catcher on that team right now with Lazard hurt and Devontae Adams questionable. If, if Adams doesn't play, I think Aaron Jones, we can see a lot of receiving work out of him. But these aren't the only guys returning. We also have George Kittle, who returned to a full practice. We should see him back out there. DJ Chark returned to practice in a limited fashion. Not 100% sure if we'll see DJ Chark. But I do think he does add an element to the Jacksonville Jaguars offense that was lacking last Thursday. We saw they couldn't really attack downfield whatsoever. And it really affected everyone on that team outside of James Robinson. Any interest in George Kittle or DJ Chark presumably coming back from injury? Yeah, George Kittle, he's all right. I'd have some interest in him. No, I mean, it's, it's George freaking Kittle. Of course, I'm playing him as, <laughs> as long as he – the same exact – actually, the exact same argument, so I won't belabor it. His, his market share numbers are so good that even if he comes in at less than 100% health, you just play him. Uh, DJ Chark, I, I don't know how much I would be interested in playing him. We have a lot of injuries cropping up, so you may not have a choice. But his market share numbers in terms of targets were not very good when he was healthy. They have a lot of – Good enough guys, apparently. Keelan Cole has played well. LaVisca Chenault gets it done both through the air and on the ground. James Robinson actually got some passes on that Thursday night game. So I'm not really looking to start him. Maybe you don't have another choice. But I think there are probably some guys who are borderline waiver wire plays that I would feel just as confident in playing. I, I do agree. I think some other situations to monitor are Christian Kirk, limited in practice. Also, not to mention DeAndre Hopkins. We kind of buried the lead there a little bit. DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice. So apparent, I think you have some news on this from the day. Apparently it's going to come down to a, maybe a pain tolerance thing. DeAndre Hopkins up to him if he, if he can give it a go himself. What do yeah, we know about was, this? I believe it was the, uh, the Cardinals GM who said that it's, it's up to Hopkins if he wants to play or not, essentially. And not if he wants to play as much as if he's physically capable of playing. That does make it sound like it's more of a pain tolerance issue, not something that is physically going to prevent him from playing like, you know, broken bone or I don't know, a serious, you know, hamstring pull or something. It seems like it's just if he's able to actually get out there and, and physically play, 
he should be on the field. Not entirely sure we see him, but I would still say, given how well he's produced, that these do you know do not practices or does not practices throughout the week could be more of a we don't need him to practice. He's clearly playing as the best receiver in the NFL. If we don't need him to practice, we're going to give him the entire week off if that's at all possible. With Hopkins production, it clearly seems as he's not going to miss a beat, even if he misses practices. So I would I would at least monitor it. He's a guy that I don't think as much uh, is as much of a lock as some other guys to play. You know, these do not practices are are a little bit concerning if he doesn't play and Christian Kirk does play. I do think you kind of have to get a decent amount of of Christian Kirk in your season long and in your DFS, you know, lineups. It's it's not fun to say because Kirk has been so inefficient basically ever since Kyler entered the lineup. But who else are they going to throw to? And if either of these guys misses, you know, I'm jamming in some Andy about I'm actually starting him. I didn't really have to start him like Andy Isabella. I love him kind of a long shot to actually be a starting worthy play in most leagues if either of these guys misses i am starting again starting him again i know Keyshawn johnson got some run i believe but uh i I just can't i can't bring myself to not play isabel after what we've seen from every time he's on the field he's awesome yeah i i love isabella too you don't have to sell me on him the only thing i'm cautioning against is Keyshawn Johnson playing about two thirds of the snaps, Andy Isabella playing yeah. about one third, but you mentioned it. I do not know what Andy Isabella has to do to receive more work. He has 20 career targets, 15 career receptions for 303 yards and three scores. Like the dude has been one of the most efficient wide receivers on his limited snaps in recent years. I mean, maybe you'd like to see this guy over a full sample in like an entire game, but it doesn't appear we're going to, I hope that changes this week. That would be music to my ears. A few other player notes as far as injuries go. Again, Will Fuller was added to the injury report midweek with a hamstring. I'm not sure why he's practicing at this point. Just just let Will Fuller play in the games. Cam Akers is likely out again. That means we should get the Daryl Henderson show. He worked ahead of Malcolm Brown last week. Although the snaps were similar, Daryl Henderson was the one receiving the important work. In addition to Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller didn't practice on Thursday. They did not rule him out yet. They already ruled out Chris Godwin and they already ruled out Leonard Fournette, but they're holding out hope for Scotty Miller. His addition would be big for them, but if Scotty Miller misses, I think we're going to see a lot more Justin Watson and potentially 12 personnel sets. So looking at a lot of Gronk, a lot of OJ Howard in that situation, Henry Ruggs likely out. That should just elevate Hunter Renfro. Mike Williams sidelined at practice, Jared Cook, DNP, anything standing out to you there? Yeah, you, you got, got a lot covered there. Cam Akers likely being out. I'm getting Daryl Henderson is like a probably a fringe like RB1. He's like a low, oh, low end RB1, high end RB2 to me. You got to start Daryl Henderson if you have you gotta start, Yeah, you got to start Daryl Henderson. Looked explosive on 20 carries to Malcolm Brown 7. Uh, after that, Scotty Miller, it doesn't seem like he's going to play. I wouldn't rule it out yet because they haven't ruled him out yet. But if he doesn't, Justin Watson, a very viable play. Justin Watson, a dude who's like incredible, like incredible breakout age, market share numbers in college, small school player, I believe. But uh, if he's going to be the number two receiver for Tom Brady, I'll, I'll probably get him in a decent amount of lineups. Tyler Johnson, the guy coming out of Minnesota, was like a, a dated darling but just didn't seem to get the same buzz from NFL scouts ends up getting waived by the team sent to the practice squad brought almost immediately back up. So he's a guy who you're definitely not starting, but maybe in like your deeper dynasty leagues uh, and my deeper dynasty leagues, I can tell you that much. I will have, you know, some interest in picking him up. Let's see. I think that was it. I'm not sure if you touched on Jared cook, not practicing another guy who is probably not a starting worthy play, but Adam Troutman would be interesting as assumedly the, do you think he would start over Hill or do you think they would still end up playing Hill just given that veteran deference? I think they'd rotate. I think okay. they they both they they use a little bit of 12 personnel in New Orleans already, but they're using Troutman and Hill primarily as blockers. So New Orleans player personnel fluctuates a lot week to week. I'm not 100% sure I would be comfortable starting Troutman. Yeah, you're probably right there that uh, and they do not even just tight ends. They kind of rotate everyone who they're playing. They get Taysom Hill in weird snaps. Sometimes they get Josh Hill in. Sometimes it's Deontay Harris. So with Michael Thomas back in the fold, yeah, he's probably a guy that unless it's like tight end premium, maybe you pick him up there outside of that. Yeah, probably not as much of an interest. Oh, uh, Hunter Renfro, probably a really good play as an underdog with Brian Edwards out. Henry Ruggs likely out. And at the beginning of the, or at the end of the summer, they were going to be going into the t- into the season with Tyrell Williams as their leading wide receiver, maybe the number two wide receiver. All of these guys out, they really have no one left. You're obviously playing Darren Waller. I know he had, he basically got shut down last week, but it was the first New England. That's kind of their specialty is shutting down players, especially on teams that aren't that good. 
obviously get him back in your lineups. And Hunter Renfro, I think, is a very solid flex play. I think teams should just routinely do that with Darren Waller. I don't know why they don't at this point. Oh, yeah. But as far as other injuries go, I think the only other one of significance is the Eagles. And notice we didn't label one player. The entire Eagles pass catching core is hurt. Yesterday at practice, Kyle, they had one receiver practicing. One receiver practice yesterday was Greg Ward. The rest of them did not practice. They're going to have more than that. Of course, you know, they're they're getting back Quez Watkins, who's coming off the short-term injured reserve. It looks like John Hightower is going to play. So they're going to have more than just Greg Ward on Sunday. But, man, I couldn't believe it when I saw the practice report that they had one receiver practicing. My question with this situation is, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Is Greg Ward viable? Yeah, Greg Ward led the team in targets last week. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be losing again this week. They've been losing a lot this season. In fact, they haven't really been winning very much at all. No wins on the on the scoreboard yet. Greg Ward leading team in targets isn't that bad. And much like, you know, I talked about this earlier, these guys with lower A dots, I do think are probably routes that are easier to hit for quarterbacks who might be bad. Carson Wentz maybe is just bad. I don't know. So I would say Greg Ward is a PPR option. He's probably only a PPR option. I don't project the Eagles to be scoring a ton of points. So in non-PPR leagues, there's guys who have more touchdown equity that I'm looking to tap into. But Greg Ward definitely in play. And I think John John Hightower, not really in play for season long, but he does uh, have a pretty cheap showdown price. And he's a guy you could just at least stash. Maybe a guy you stash on the back of the roster. They spent a little bit of draft capital on him. And the only reason he didn't practice was an illness. So I assume generally when you see that, as long as a guy comes back, he's absolutely fine for the game he's playing in. So Hightower, maybe you could get him on, on the back of some of your deeper rosters. I don't think he's a horrible stash. I think his upside as a talent is probably higher than Greg Ward. Yeah, I agree for sure. Greg Ward is a former AAF player, so I don't think it takes too much. Now, a couple other notes. John Brown returned to practice. I thought we were going to get Gabriel Davis as a starting option. I don't think it's going to happen. So John Brown looks like a locked-in option for your lineups. Feel free to trot him out there. Leonard Fournette is out. And now if you were holding on to, to Ronald Jones shares, I think he's viable this week. What do you think about Ronald Jones? How about this? Okay, so... I'm sure some teams will have Daryl Henderson or Ronald Jones just because neither of them were drafted highly. Do you have a preference between them if you had Daryl Henderson and Ronald Jones? I'm probably still taking uh, Daryl Henderson. I, I'm scared. Even with Leonard Fournette out, I would be scared. They were talking about Bruce Arians is talking up Keyshawn Vaughn, and he has routinely done yes. whatever he can possibly do to bench Ronald Jones. I think Ronald Jones is a good play this week with Leonard Fournette out, but he is not on the level of a Daryl Henderson. Right now, I'm putting him much more in that like high upside but very speculative play. Like Kareem Hunt is that way this week, as is a guy like Antonio Gibson, I would say. Maybe it's not the great matchup, but like Adrian Peterson, all these guys where they need things to break right for them for things to actually go well. And if things do go well, Adrian Peterson get 25 touches. So could Ronald Jones. And although game script isn't what is going to kill Ronald Jones, most likely – it would just be getting benched, which he is like famous for getting benched. So he is a ton of upside or at least a very high upside in terms of he's a guy who is, is fairly was fairly cheap towards the end of drafting season. You benched him at multiple points. You haven't been playing him. He's on the back end of most rosters. You can put him in and get 25 touches. You can also you can also put him in. He goes out for the first drive, gets three carries, fumbles one on the fourth and doesn't see the field again. So you're probably playing him, but not over some of these other more premium options like a Daryl Henderson. I agree. I think he's a risky flex play, but given the state of running back with McCaffrey, Saquon, a number of other rushers that are out, I think some teams will have to look to Ronald Jones. I would feel okay about it. They're, they're significant favorites in this game. You just hope he doesn't make any of those boneheaded errors to get himself off the field. We have about 50 people watching in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button, guys. It is the best way to support Kyle, myself, and the entire Osmo team. And if you have start sick questions, throw those into the chat. As far as all of the questions about Sam Darnold, I think just don't play Sam Darnold. We'll leave it at that. And as we go through our topical sheet here, we're going to talk about some, some players that are in some tough matchups, some bad matchups on the weekend, what we do with them. 
This actually isn't the worst week for poor matchups. We have eight games with totals above 50 points. So most of these guys are actually in pretty good spots. With that said, there's a couple of players that are locked in starters in tough matchups. One in particular that I've highlighted is the Washington football team going up to the Baltimore Ravens. And we just saw Baltimore waxed by Kansas City, allowing 385 passing yards to Patrick Mahomes. All I'll say on that is that Patrick Mahomes has a tendency to do that. I do not think Dwayne Haskins is capable of that performance against arguably the best defense in football. So we're not starting Haskins for sure, but guys like Terry McLaurin, what are we doing with him? Yeah, so I actually have a handful of rosters where the specific choice I'm facing is Terry McLaurin versus Will Fuller. They're very similar in that they are high upside, but low floor. Maybe their floors are, are low for different reasons. I think I'm taking some of my preferred flex options like Will Fuller over Terry McLaurin. This Dwayne Haskins thing is just not working out. And there have been so many reports like they had to, they called a special meeting with Haskins to tell him that they like they, he needs to play better. You don't think he knows that he needs to play better? I mean, this is... This Dwayne Haskins experiment is going to end sooner rather than later, and it's going to end with a complete bottoming out if we haven't already seen that. I mean, you're probably playing Terry McLaurin, but if you have, if you went receiver heavy in the middle of the rounds, I am in the middle of the single-digit rounds, I'm probably looking to bench him. Like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I'm definitely playing over him. I'm, I'm playing Will Fuller over him. I have a lot of Adam Thielen. I'm playing Adam Thielen over him. Uh, it's, it's tough, but I think you generally, if you have the depth, are trying to get any way off of this Washington football team. Same thing with Logan Thomas. The market share numbers is, are there. I believe seven, nine, and eight targets have been his target totals over the season. Dwayne Haskins just can't hit like the broad side of a barn. So if you don't have better options, I guess you're playing Logan Thomas, but he grades as more of a, a tight end too with some upside of efficiency spikes his way, but the floor is just not there for him. I'm taking a lot of guys, you know, your TJ Hawkinson's, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of guys that I would prefer to play over, over Logan Thomas. Yeah. Me too. I mean, the market share is so good. It's so uh, good. I want to play him so bad, but at this point he's similar to, you know, your Chris Herndon's your, yeah. I mean, Tyler Higby's put up touchdowns with Tyler Higby seen a much worse opportunity than a guy like Logan Thomas. Gronkowski tier. Eh. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. We have a good question from the chat. It is, it looks like we're picking just one of these three players. It is Marquise Brown versus Robbie Anderson versus Sammy Watkins. If it makes a difference, he specifies that Lamar is his QB. And man, I want to pick Marquise Brown so, so badly in this situation. In the first two games of the year, I thought they just, they ran up the score so much that, that they didn't need to throw. Last week, Lamar just played so poorly that I don't think we've seen the full ceiling from that offense as far as passing goes with Marquise Brown. With that said, I still think I'm probably leaning Robbie Anderson over Marquise Brown. Robbie Anderson actually has a significant market share of the Carolina offense. He's functioning as the number two there. Marquise Brown, I think he's the one or two in a low volume passing attack for Baltimore that is probably going to utilize a lot of the ground game in a matchup they should win fairly easy over Washington. And Sammy Watkins, he is probably the wide receiver three or four, I guess I should say pass catcher three or four in that offense. So I think he's clearly behind Tyreek. He's clearly behind Kelsey. And maybe he's behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I, for me, it's between Brown and Anderson. And right now I have a slight preference to Anderson. What do you think on that? I can't get off. I can't can't not go back to Marquise Brown. I'm dipping, know, dipping my toes in the devil's water. And it's, it's a horrible matchup in the sense of they're projected to annihilate Washington, which is not good. Like, of course, you want your team to score points. But if one of those goes to a Lamar Jackson run, one of them goes to Mark Ingram, and one of them goes to Andrews, you have immediately lost. You are not going to get your money back on Marquise Brown. I think I'm still going to it. And maybe I'm also leaning to the advantage of, he said, correct, his, uh, his quarterback was Lamar Jackson. I like stacking easy, even in season-long leagues. I think it just gives you such an edge. If your opponent goes off, you're not immediately drawing dead. You have a decent amount of upside by doing that. So I I'm going to stick with Marquise Brown here, and I'm sorry we uh, didn't maybe give a, a concurrent answer between the two of us. For what it's worth, it's like a 50-50 decision for me. I, I pick Robbie Anderson based on, on volume alone because I project maybe one or two more targets, but I don't think you can really yes. go wrong with Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown, of course, is the 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 amazing big threat too. So, I mean, him and Lamar kept connect on the long pass. That's going to be really nice as well. Another one. Uh, he specifies an ugly start sit question. It's a, uh, it's full PPR league. It's Jeff like Wilson it. versus JK Dobbins 
versus DeAndre Swift. So right away out of that three, I'm ruling out DeAndre Swift just because the three-way yeah. timeshare there is so, so, so ugly. And DeAndre Swift essentially has no role in the run game. J.K. Dobbins, I think, is interesting. That is also a three-way committee. And Jeff Wilson, that situation is just two backs. So at this point, I'm going to lean Jeff Wilson. I, you know, Jarek McKinnon got banged up last week, and it looks like Raheem Mostert is not going to play. Jeff Wilson, I don't think he has the greatest role in San Francisco, but at least it's just two backs right now, and I do think he will play a decent amount. What do you think between Jeff Wilson, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift? Yeah, I completely agree. You just like like in the last one where Sammy Watkins was the guy you could just easily rule out based on his on his like periphery numbers. DeAndre Swift is the same way, unfortunately, and I have a decent amount of Swift. I started getting on to him later in my best ball drafts. You're you're never trying to start him at this point. At this point, we need to see any sort of consistent weekly role before you're putting him in your lineups. I think Jeff Wilson's role is probably at worst as the one B. Like you said, his uh, his numbers might have been a little bit better than we would expect because I believe it was a rib injury to McKinnon that kind of uh, nicked him up, but he, he should be healthy this week. But they're seven and a half point favorites against the Eagles this week. I'm I'm really not concerned with the matchup. I like the game script. They're a team that no matter who they start at running back, they seem to get efficient numbers out of. I think it's possible. We see this sometimes with different coaches is that they, and they might be right, do perceive some of their running backs just to be not capable of handling the full workload. If that described anyone, it would be Jarek McKinnon. I would understand why you would want to limit him to a split of the carries and a lot of the targets. So I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson, and I feel fairly confident in that one. It makes me happy. I'm starting a lot of Jeff Wilson because my my high-stakes season-long team, as you guys in the chat probably have heard by now, got decimated with Saquon Graveyard out there. Yeah, oh my goodness. I am starting the worst running back tandem in all of fantasy. And, and Who is it? Who is it? It's Miles Gaskin and Jeff Wilson. Oh my God. Those are my top two running backs after just a slew of injuries to me. Anyway, we, we have another question in the chat. It's about the evolving Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver room. We want to know if T Higgins is viable or do we think it is point chasing? I do not think it's point chasing. I think T Higgins is clearly evolving into an every down receiver in this offense. If we look to his snap share from the first three weeks of the year, he jumps from 22% in week one to 65% in week two, all the way up to 79% in week three that coincided with John Ross as a healthy scratch. And we're just not seeing AJ green played that, that same high level of snaps. I don't know if they're keeping him on a snap count or what, maybe it's age related, But in that same vein, target counts, zero in week one, six in week two, nine in week three. Maybe T. Higgins is not the number one receiver in this offense. However, Kyle, how many times is Joe Burrow throwing a game? We're looking at 47 attempts per game. And you could say, you could argue that that's because they're losing a lot and we project them to lose going forward. But even when the game is within one score, they attempt a pass on 64% of their plays, which is top five in the NFL for one score game. So no, that is just their bread and butter philosophy is let Joe Burrow air the freaking ball out. Yeah. And they've been throwing the ball 68.9% of the time. That's second in the NFL say that this is the product of negative game script. Well, they're also running 75 plays per game, which is second in the NFL. Even if you bring that pass rate down a tad, you're still getting a Joe Burrow attempting about 35 to 40 passes per game. That's immense, immense volume for anyone in this receiving core. I think T Higgins is startable on a week to week basis. And I think he's probably like a wide receiver three flex play almost on a weekly basis at this point, where would you have him kind of on that scale? Maybe not a wide receiver two, but I think he's certainly in play on a weekly basis for flex. Yeah, I would probably put him more in that wide receiver four tier, but in most of my leagues and the leagues that I like the most, it's two running backs, three receivers, and one, if not two, I prefer two flexes. I like the leagues that let me start more players. I feel like it's a better, it lets you know who the better owners are. You can build these deep, talented rosters. So for most leagues I'm playing in, yes, he does actually slot in nicely as my fourth receiver or my fifth, you know, that final flex spot. So yeah, he's definitely in play. And like you said, the, the numbers just quite haven't been there for AJ Green. And honestly, at this point, I think we have to just consider that he's just done for. It's just not going to be there. Instead, the number 33 overall pick, T. Higgins, is this team's top outside receiver. So yeah, he's definitely worth considering starting given, you know, what your options happen to be on the week. Yeah, he actually, in a follow-up, he laid it out. He lost Lazard. So he's uh, he's Ugh. looking at Higgins. Rip, man, Lazard looked great. But Higgins, yeah. I think, is a fine replacement. Fine replacement. Our wonderful producer, Jordan, is in our chat. And he has a tough <laughs> dilemma on his hands. He is debating between the one and only Todd Gurley and Odell Beckham Jr. A couple of uh, underproducers to start the year. But man, Todd Gurley in particular, his role has just 
plummeted in Atlanta. He's essentially working in a one-for-one timeshare with Brian Hill at this point. OBJ at least is still dominating targets. They're a very low volume passing attack in Cleveland. And it's hard to see them going away from that outside of negative game scripts. But I think Odell Beckham is the play here between Gurley and OBJ. What do you think on this? Yeah, I'm not super excited about Odell Beckham going forward, but anytime they're going to be underdogs, he's got top 10 target share and air yard share numbers. He's clearly, like you said, he's clearly the guy. It's just they don't want to use him. They don't want to use their passing game at all, not just him. They want to use him. It's just when they pass. As underdogs to Dallas this week, we could actually see them forced into a passing situation. So maybe if they come up as favorites, you know, I'm not sure. Like They've already played Washington, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they play the Jets down the road. I'm not playing any of their receiving game if I believe them to be real favorites. Not the case this week. Odell Beckham's my play here. I, I like Odo Beckham quite a bit in that situation. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Situation two. Uh, sticking with the tough matchups for a second here. I, th- I think there's a couple other ones worth talking about. One I think that is kind of, you know, a, a perceived tough matchup that might not actually be as difficult as people are saying is the Chargers, and we're seeing this across industries. In DFS, the Chargers are all low-owned. We're getting a lot of start-sit questions about, you know, like, what do we do with Eckler? What do we do with Keenan Allen? What do we do with with Hunter Henry? And I think the easy answer is you just start them, but maybe we can dig into a little bit of the reasons why we're so comfortable still starting those players against a team like Tampa Bay, which has performed very well to start the year. I think first and foremost, play volume. The Chargers are actually third in the NFL and plays right now is a big reason why you can still start and volume alone is going to be there for these guys, but maybe you can talk about Herbert a little bit and what he's done for this offense. Yeah, it is a, a night and day shift going from Tyrod Taylor to Herbert back to back 300 yard games from Herbert. That is two games played and two games of 300 yards. Tyrod Taylor, I believe was nearing 50 games and had one game of 300 yards. It is just night and day. How much better this offense is going to be with, I'm not sure maybe Herbert is still going to be erratic at times, be overly aggressive at times, but all in all, that is quite a good thing for fantasy football. I think there's not really like any of the guys you want to be starting on this team that I'm considering benching. If you want to start Keenan Allen, you should be starting Keenan Allen. If you have him on your roster, get him in there. Austin Eckler, just get him in there. We've seen his target numbers come up. I get it. He's he's going to face some competition from Joshua Kelly, but he's quite a talented player. The target share numbers or the target numbers have come up since that week one outing where I believe it was just one target. And Hunter Henry, again, all of these guys, I like better with Justin Herbert. And, and you typically, I can't imagine a scenario where you have better options. I think they're all good plays down to Josh Kelly being even like a fringe, like your roster you're talking about, your Gaskin, Gaskin Wilson roster. Josh Kelly, if you had him, would be worth considering playing in that scenario. So all of these guys are either absolutely starts or even on the fringe is worth considering. Yeah, I actually had a hypothetical question for you as a follow-up. You kind of answered it already. It was, uh, so Joshua Kelly is probably the fringiest play of this group, and they are underdogs in this game by by seven and a half points. I don't necessarily agree with that, but say you are dealing with a situation where you had a lot of injuries. Maybe you have Miles Gaskin, maybe you have Jeffrey Wilson, maybe you even have a guy have a guy like Daryl Henderson or, or Ronald Jones, players that project to see elevated workload. Where does Joshua Kelly fall in that range of players? Yeah, because it's hard for me to give him much of a receiving role in a game where that might be what they're forced to do, falls below all of those guys. But I would say definitely I know people picked up Giants backs as guys they were maybe forced to play, playing him over them, still not playing him over Mike Davis. I would say he falls probably below even Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson. I would say maybe around that like Rex Burkhead range where Burkhead's going to have a good receiving role. But I, I project at least a good rushing role, a good between the tackles role for Joshua Kelly. Burkett, if he doesn't score those touchdowns, we're not quite talking about him in this rarefied air of, of fun streaming options. I would say he falls into that, where he needs things to break right for him in a kind of major way, but he is at least worth considering. Yeah, I, I think he is worth considering, too. Just so many plays for him. There's about 75 of you watching the stream right now. Thank you for being here. Hit that thumbs up button. It helps support Kyle and I. And of course, if you have questions, Throw those into the chat. Kyle and I will get to them. 
Of course, this show is brought to you by Yahoo. Today's show sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Fantastic fantasy platform over at Yahoo. Another question from the chat. Oh, man, this is a tough one. Raymond's got a one that I'm going to be racking my brain over. It is Mike Davis versus Daryl Henderson in the flex. Man, this is a tough one. I actually kind of lean Henderson here, and I think that probably is a little bit contrarian. But Daryl Henderson, of course, we saw what he did last week. He now finds himself in a spot where the Rams are favored by 12 and a half points. Conversely, Mike Davis comes in as an underdog. We know he has that fantastic pass game rule, but I still do think that is a little bit fragile. His target counts of eight and nine, which is significantly more than what Christian McCaffrey had. And I don't know if I'm buying Mike Davis as a better pass catcher than Christian McCaffrey at this point in the week. So I think that stat might be a little bit fluky. What do you think between Davis and Henderson? I don't think you can exactly go wrong, but if we're forced to pick right now, my lean is going to be Henderson for team projected to score more points. Yeah, you you stole the word right out of my mouth. I love the receiver role we've seen from Mike Davis, 17 targets, I believe, in two weeks, as you said, nine and eight, catches eight, eight catches both times. But it is quite fragile to think that he can maintain that crazy pace on a team that's probably going to be passing a lot as they continue to lose football games. If that if that number drops drastically, the carry numbers just probably aren't going to be able to be there as they trail versus Arizona, most likely. Whereas Henderson, his team both is favored and they want to run the ball a ton. And last week they gave him the carries. So I don't think you can go wrong. I very much agree with that. But I think you can go more right by going Henderson. I think the, the play is just so much of a higher floor play because Davis's targets are awesome, but they also could just be fluky. You have to consider the fact that they could be fluky, whereas Henderson's carries, as long as Akers is out, actually don't think are that fluky. I think we can project him to fairly cleanly lead his team in carries, and his team's going to carry the ball a lot. So my lean's Henderson. Yeah, I agree. I just like the overall situation for Henderson moving forward. There's a chance he just carves out a full-time workload there with Malcolm Brown just functioning as a change of pace based on what we saw last week. Now, I think from Ryan in the chat, he's got a pretty interesting situation at the flex. He's Joe Mixon. I, it's Ward, so I'm anticipating this being Greg Ward and Terry McLaurin. For me, this isn't exactly a close decision. I like Joe Mixon a lot in this situation. Now, I know Joe Mixon's let you down so far. Joe Mixon's also played an incredibly tough slate of defenses, including Philly, Cleveland. I think the Chargers were their first matchup. So those are three elite yes. defensive line units. In that span, we already talked about the play volume that Cincinnati's running overall. Joe Mixon's still ninth in the NFL in touches per game. Touches, well, let's consider this carries and targets. So just opportunities overall, 19.7 per game. That is still an immense number for a team. In the best matchup they're going to have maybe all year, it's the best matchup certainly that they've had thus far against Jacksonville where they are favored in this game. It's Mixon for me. Again, the options are Mixon, Greg Ward, and Terry McLaurin. It's a PPR league for what it's worth. Mixon, of course, his pass catching role shaky. Yeah, the pass catching role isn't great, but like you said, the overall touches are just going to be there. And then, you know, this could be a game that they actually win for the first time of the season under, you know, first time in Joe Burrow's career could could be the game they win. So Joe Mixon, even when they're losing because they've only been losing or tying, has been getting touches. The upside is there for Mixon. I just don't really love Terry McLaurin running into this absolutely shredding Baltimore defense. So for me, Joe Mixon, and I agree, eh, not that close. I think so too. So now we hit on your injuries. We hit on your tough matchups. Let's go to some streamers. So streamers, of course, these are mostly pertinent at the quarterback tight end and defensive position, but we'll give you some guys we like across the board. There are some matchups we want to target for streamers overall. A couple games that have some high totals with potential streaming options. Arizona taking on Carolina. That's a total above 50. You're streaming in that game more so because of injury than anything else. We need to look and see what happens to Hopkins and Christian Kirk throughout the week. But I think that would bring Andy Isabella in play. Maybe you're still looking at a guy like, like Dan Arnold. There's other games like Minnesota taking on Houston. I think people are going to look at Justin Jefferson potentially as a, a streamer option this week. If Will Fuller sits out, maybe we're going to get some fringy plays like Brandon Cooks is probably on rosters, but maybe Randall Cobb enters the picture. Any viable streamers from those two matchups specifically? 
Yeah, in the Arizona one, I'm only really looking to Andy Isabella if one of Christian Kirk or DeAndre Hopkins is out, and I'm only looking to Dan Arnold if both are out, and that would seem quite unlikely to get both of them to sit since both of them have a decent chance of playing. So for me, Dan Arnold probably just jumps into that Logan Thomas tier where the upside is there, but it's such speculative and the downside is is quite close to zero. It's you know maybe one or two catches. So Andy Isabella, either guy sits out. I'm absolutely going there. Dan Arnold, a quite fringy play, but if both of these guys sit out, I actually do think I believe the overall worst ranked defense by pro football focus and the number 27, if I have that number correct, coverage unit. Brandon Cooks, I think you can honestly play even if Will Fuller plays. His his like market share numbers haven't been terrible. They've actually been quite comparable to Fuller in terms of targets and air yards. So for me, Brandon Cooks is actually a guy who, even in, uh, in the scenario that Fuller plays, you're probably still putting in Brandon Cooks into your lineup as your final flex play, you know, assuming most teams at this point have one or two guys that have been injured. Yeah, for sure. There's more injury situations, too. I mean, we, we touched on Michael Thomas at the top. Uh, it looks like he's going to play. My, my question, I guess, for that one, if we're talking streamers in another high total game between New Orleans and Detroit, is how viable is Drew Brees at this point? You know, a start-sit show here. There's a lot of, of issues I have with Drew Brees overall, his low A dot, and for the first time, we're seeing that completion percentage drop with it. And there's a question on Fuller in the chat. Is there news on Fuller? Coach said he was fine. Yeah, I mean, he just mispracticed with a hamstring. So it's always we're talking about Fuller as if he's he's fully questionable. I think Kyle and I both expect him to play, but mm-hmm. just in case, want to touch on Fuller ending up on the injury report after he seemingly left last week healthy. So that's why we're talking about Fuller. Now, as far as the the Saints situation and and Breeze, I'm starting to lose some confidence in him. I know this game is a 54 point total, but are you going back to Breeze? I mean, I, I am not losing confidence. I am shook on Breeze. I, I don't really know. I mean. I kind of think I do know what to make of this guy. He's a 40 plus year old quarterback who's at this point in his career, just physically incapable of making the awesome throws he used to make. The good news is that he gets his most, like the most reliable, not his most reliable, the most reliable receiver in the NFL, Michael Thomas, assumedly back in the fold and Kamara is playing maybe better than he ever has before. So the weapons are there. He will play indoors in a game with a 54 point total Everything's shaping up for a Breeze bounce back spot. I'm not sure if it is a sustained bounce back or if it's uh, more of a dead cap bounce, but I think Breeze, maybe this is the last week you actually get to play him, but you can play him. I have him ranked as like a, a fringe QB1, more like a high-end QB2, but in most leagues, that is certainly fine. It, it's not detrimental to your lineup to get Breeze in. And generally, the waiver wires, I don't think there's anybody you can find off the wire right now that will be a better play than Breeze. I don't know. Your guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick's on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, and you seem to like him a lot. Which, which There's which one guy you can find on the waiver wire who's better than Drew Brees. I've changed my mind. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that, guys. Now, um, there's questions. What's the update on Michael Thomas? We don't have a for sure update on him. He's playing for sure. We don't know yet. He's returned to a limited practice, and there's tentative optimism here. We're going to caution that he's going to come in as a game time decision. So we're not 100% sure on Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas status does influence your your take on Breeze here. I think if Michael Thomas plays, you like Breeze a lot more. If Michael Thomas is out, I'm looking to the waiver wire and potentially a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we keep mentioning him. This is your guy this week. I know you've been on Ryan Fitzpatrick for a little while now. What is there to potentially like about him as a streamer? Maybe if you are a Drew Breeze owner. I mean, what's not to like about Ryan Fitzpatrick other than the fact that one time every year he's going to give you a negative three-point game. Other than that one week, it's awesome. No, I mean, we saw it last week. The the upside with Fitzpatrick, I think the one thing that we saw last week that should be maybe more encouraging than anything is the dude has legs. That's something that sort of has gone underrated throughout his career. I would say he has Sam Darnold-esque legs. No, he probably has better legs than Sam Darnold. And he has upside as an aggressive passer. And I think in most leagues, you are not penalized for interceptions nearly as much as you are rewarded for long touchdowns. If you're in a league where you get, uh, I think uh, maybe Scott Fishbowl is like this, where you get penalized for bad performances, both sacks and interceptions, sure, maybe you're much more concerned with playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. But in most normal leagues, Ryan Fitzpatrick's aggressiveness, the, the upside is asymmetric relative to the downside. And versus Seattle defense that has given up the most yards in the NFL to opposing passing games by a mile in a game where Seattle also on offense is expected to shred. This should be a great game environment. Fitzpatrick is an awesome streaming option. And yeah, I would probably fairly confidently take him over Breeze if Thomas is out. I think I've actually been, yeah, I'm going to say it. I'll just take Breeze over or take Fitzpatrick over Breeze, even if Thomas is in. That's it. it's certainly a hot take, but I, you know, I actually don't agree with this. It's a, it looks like it's going to be a shootout for 
Miami, they're taking on Seattle. We've seen that defense have far, far, far better days. Now, that game also is a, a total above 50 or so points. The chat's asking for some updates on, on Julio. The latest report coming out from Ian Rappaport suggests that he will play. And the quote is that he's trending in the right direction. He's still limited in practice. And there's, even with him playing, concerns about his viability overall. How healthy is he? Is he actually going to play a full complement of snaps? So those are real concerns at this point for, for Julio Jones. And it's an even bigger concern because Calder Ridley's missed some practice time this week. Russell Gage had a concussion. So this Atlanta team is very, very banged up. Is there any consideration to potentially, I guess, sitting Julio Jones? Yeah, I would say uh, Julio Jones is on the Monday night game, correct? I would say if you have Julio Jones because it's not 100%, keep tabs on a guy like Olamide Zacchaeus. Olamide Zacchaeus, is that how you say that? It seems like maybe he would step into a role, but no. Much like we talked about with uh, with Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, assuming these guys play, they are just too good not to get into your lineup. There are lesser players that maybe if I if you're telling me they play at under 100%, I'm actually considering benching them like like Christian Kirk, even if he does play, honestly, I'm not playing him. But let's say Christian Kirk came in and you had to consider playing him. If he was any reason to believe he'd be less than 100 percent, I would not be playing him. That's not the case for Julio Jones. I, I'm going to play Julio Jones as long as he is playing. Yeah, the positive with that game on Monday night is you have a lot of guys in the waiver wire because of injuries. You know, like Lazard's gone. You could probably get Velda Scanling there, too. There will be options on the waiver wire if you want to ride Julio Jones and then he's inactive for some reason, unless you're in a crazy deep league you're probably going to be able to get a reasonable replacement there. So I would try to ride Julio if possible. Um, Big D in the chat, what is Kamara's projected ownership this weekend? Well, let me tell you, my friend, I do not have those numbers in front of me, but we have a ton of free stuff at Osmo right now. And actually today you can take a look at that ownership on Kamara and all other players in the NFL. That is one of our free tools today, along with NBA player projections. There's a lot going on here. We also have MLB top pitchers. All of that is free today. Just for the free content alone, if you're into the NBA, we also have promo code Orlando right now, $5 NBA weekly pass. That is valid through October 4th. It gets you a ton of stuff, including player projections, ownership projections, and more for every showdown and single game slate for the NBA. Again, that is Orlando like the city. And for you specifically talking about Camara, make sure you head over to the site, check those out. They are free today. Amazing resource. Now, Digs for the Bills. All right, so this is an interesting situation for for the Bills. I, I don't think, for, so to put this simply, I don't think you're ever benching Stefan Diggs. He asks if he's going to go off. I, you know, Diggs is one of the top receivers in the NFL right now. I, I don't think there's a, a ton else to say on Diggs. Are you worried at all about him? No, no. Why would you ever be worried about Stephon Diggs? He's awesome. Diggs is so good. Like we are now seeing what it looks like had Minnesota actually appreciated what they had in Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen being the normally erratic passer that he is probably really (laughs) freaking appreciates having a guy who can generate separation with his sick route running at will. Anybody he looks at, he can say, I'm going to be at least a yard away from you whenever this ball hits me. It might be two or three yards even. Stephon Diggs, no, never, never bench Stephon Diggs. Yeah. And speaking of benching, let's move to this topic who are you benching in leagues or, I mean, like, who are you considering benching if you have better options? I think there's some really interesting spots here. For as much as we talked about liking Daryl Henderson for the Rams, I am not very interested in the Rams pass catchers. And it's not because the Rams are, you know, projected to score us a low amount of points or anything like this. It has more to do with how the Rams are playing football when they're leading games. And they're playing the Giants this week. They're projected to win this game by nearly two scores. The Rams are already running at the highest rate in the NFL. They're a fast team. They're running a lot of plays, but they're just running so, so, so much that it's not leading to many opportunities for their pass catchers. That's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. And in particular, I'll be fading Tyler Higby. And if I'm a Tyler Higby owner, I'm going to the waiver wire as quick as I possibly can, trying to get a guy like TJ Hawkinson and just seeing what my options are. Tyler Higby only ran a route on 40% of Jared Goff dropbacks in week three. Now we're getting a guy who's running 40% of the routes on a team projected to run the ball at the highest rate in the league. I mean, Tyler Higby is three touchdowns on 11 targets this year, but I don't see Tyler Higby being a viable starter this week. What do you think about the Rams situation as far as the dichotomy between the pass catchers and the runners and maybe anyone else you want to bench? 
Yeah, I think in most leagues, you're probably starting Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but Tyler Higby actually is far enough down my rankings. He's a guy you can actually consider benching, given, like you said, he is what we saw all of last year up until the very end. And we've seen him throughout his career. He's a guy who, sure, because he plays on the Rams, who are going to score some points, has some spiky touchdown upside, but he's essentially a committee tight end. That's what he is. It's what he's always has been until five games probably last year. So for me, yeah, DJ Hawkinson would be a better play. I would slot him in probably just above Logan Thomas because I, I am not trying to tie myself down to Dwayne Haskins receivers. But yeah, there are a handful of plays that you should definitely be considering. And he's in the range where you could have feasibly been drafting two tight ends with him. It's not like you took, it's not like we're saying bench George Kittle. You probably shouldn't have drafted another tight end if you drafted George Kittle. If you have a Mike Gusecki, for instance, on your roster, I'd be playing Mike Gusecki over Tyler Higby. There are a lot of guys that I think you can viably start over Tyler Higby because he's a committee tight end woods and Cooper cup. I think we saw last year, Cooper cup is going to have more touchdown upside. Although last year probably blew it a bit out of proportion because of, you know, the way he's used in the red zone specifically Cooper cup, probably a better touchdown projection. So even in a game where you can see them running a lot, I would prefer him over woods, but it's quite close. These guys are both most likely starting, but I would say if you have them and will fuller, I'm probably starting will fuller over, over both of them. Yeah, I agree. I, it, I ultimately don't see there being too many better options over Cup and Woods. Yeah. It's just one of those tough matchups you're going to have to ride out for a game. But Higby, I think you can certainly bench. There's a couple other players who have, I don't know, they're in questionable spots. One guy I've been wrestling with a lot is Nikhil Harry. He has fantastic market share numbers. Right now he's a 24.5% target share. We saw him pop off for a 12th target game in there. But it hasn't been consistent. And not only that, he's one of the lowest dot receivers in the entire NFL. Last week, he only participated in 68% of New England's routes. He ran fewer routes than Demir Bird. It's it's a matchup where Kansas City is projected to win this game by seven points. The total is well above 50. So the game environment for Nikhil Harry is very good. The market share numbers are very good. But for whatever reason, I just can't get myself excited about this guy. Are you willing to throw him into your lineups? Yeah, I'm willing to throw him into my lineups, but you said it. Basically, all he's doing is running like slants and screens in these low, like dig style routes. I'm just not awfully interested in that guy in the context of an offense that is probably going to have a lot of their overall plays and some touchdowns vultured by Cam Newton and the other running backs, but Cam Newton specifically. And yeah, he's just not uh, on a per target basis, doesn't have a ton of upside. Like you said, Demir Bird seems to have a role. It's not a gigantic role, but it is a role in this offense. Harry is a guy that, you know, the game environment is good and that probably gives him a certain amount of upside, but on a per target basis, I just don't love him. He really probably will end up needing either a touchdown or seven to eight targets to get there. And if you're not playing in a PPR league, I really can't find myself uh, getting excited about Harry, a low, low end flex play. I think, uh, you know, a situation people with Harry could be wrestling with is maybe, you know, you're debating a an Akil Harry versus maybe a Hunter Renfro style play. And in that situation, I think I actually prefer Hunter Renfro. If you were given that choice, what would you, what would you go with? I was thinking about a handful of situations and that's one that popped up. I would take Renfro over him. If you, if you got lucky and you picked up Marquez out of Scantling, I would easily take Scantling over him. Uh, what else do we have? I think a guy like he falls more into that Scotty Miller tier where sure. I get why you would play him, but it's more of a fringy play. Assuming Scotty Miller does play. I'm not sure we see that, but Assuming Scotty Miller does play, he kind of falls into that tier where I, I understand it, but I'm not too excited to do it myself. Scotty Miller better not play because I need to start Justin Watson on my high stakes team. Yes. Not looking good there. But guys, we have a, we have a little bit of time left. We're going to move over to bold calls. But if you have last second start sit decisions, there's about 100 of you in here. First of all, hit that thumbs up button is the best way to support Kyle, myself and the Osmo team. But if you have questions, throw those in. We will get to those before the end of the show. As far as some bold calls, you know, for a start sit show, I think this is more just going to be giving confidence to to players if you have them. One one I actually kind of like this week is the the Chicago Bears going up against Indianapolis, who have played, my goodness, arguably the easiest out of opponents in the NFL. And you know, Nick Foles coming over to that offense, I don't think they're going to be night and day as far as efficiency goes, but I certainly think Nick Foles is the more efficient passer between Trubisky and Foles. Now, this probably affects more of the other players in your lineups, like Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson is confidently a wide receiver one, and I don't think you're ever benching him. Players like David Montgomery are more on the fringes with Tariq Cohen also going down with an injury. I think David Montgomery now should confidently enter your lineup. So, you know, my my bold call this week was that Allen Robinson is wide receiver one on the week as far as the start set decisions. 
don't overthink these Chicago Bears. It's still not the worst environment. Indianapolis hasn't played any good teams. Allen Robinson's target volume is among the most secure in the NFL, and David Montgomery should start seeing some of the best volume as well at the running back position. Any bold calls for you? Yeah, I'll give you one. Uh, we've talked about him a lot, but let's plant our flag here. Daryl Henderson over 25 touches over 100 yards and scores at least once. RB1, I don't know about overall, but an RB1 on the week and a guy you should not in any situation consider benching. I love Daryl Henderson. That's a fantastic call. I actually have a question for you before we head out of here. A team we haven't really talked about. We talked a lot about the Ram side of this game. But if you are a New York Giants owner, say you – probably not Daniel Jones, but say you're uh, you're an owner of Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton. What are you doing with some of these players? Like Evan Ingram in particular was drafted oftentimes inside the top seven rounds. Yeah, there are, um, there are some options you can consider over Ingram. If Gasecki or Hawkinson are available, not oh, even available, man. but if you, if you drafted them, dude, I, I'm not looking to tie myself to, you know, guys getting targets from Daniel Jones. He's looked quite erratic and he's a bit aggressive, but also his aggressiveness is really going to be focusing like that improves the outlook or at least gives you an upside to Darius Slayton. It doesn't really help like a, a pseudo slot receiver like Evan Ingram, in my opinion. So I would take Gusecki and Hawkinson over him. I think those are two easy ones. Uh, Noah Fan already played, but he would have been a guy, unfortunately, gets hurt, would have still taken him over Evan Ingram. Ingram slots in as more of a fringe tight end one guy, despite the fact that you essentially had to draft him as a top half, uh, probably around that six, seven range. He's definitely not that anymore. I don't think you can say that. Darius Slayton, I think he's he's a fringe flex play because he does have a ton of upside and his team should be trailing. I, I'm not starting much, if any, Golden Tate. I can't imagine the league where I have to start Golden Tate. He's going to see some targets, but you said it. I don't think it's going to be very efficient. Uh, yeah. They're playing in a game with a high total. We haven't touched on this game a ton. This is an arguably the best spot of the entire year for their passing game going against this Dallas secondary that hasn't stopped anybody. Now, as far as Austin Hooper goes, he's seen target counts of two, four, four. That's just 10 total targets through three. What are you thinking about Hooper? Yeah, I would still take Evan Ingram over. I don't want to say there's almost, I would take Logan Thomas over him. I would think like he falls. I think Hooper is a guy that one more performance like this and you can just cut him. Would you take him over Higby? I, I honestly wouldn't even, and it's not that close. I don't like Higby. I just really he, don't like Hooper. He has fewer targets than Higby. So I would think I would make that call. What about a guy like Robert Tanyan? Tanyan versus, versus Hooper. Yeah, this Allen's hard injury. Actually, I'm taking Tanyan too. Yeah, Austin Hooper. Like, frankly, if I'm saying you can take all these guys over him, you can probably just cut Austin Hooper. Like, Tanyan's available in probably almost every league. Unless you're in a super deep league, you know, don't play Austin Hooper. You don't even have to roster him if you don't feel like it. Yeah, Hooper is probably, you can probably drop him comfortably right now. There's a question in the chat. It is Kenny Galladay versus Odell Beckham Jr. And it seems like the chat is preferring Galladay pretty closely. I actually think this is a, a tougher decision maybe than some people are indicating. Do you have a lean between Galladay and Odell Beckham at first glance? Yeah, I'll still give the lean to Galladay, but if the chat is super confident in that, I can't say I am. This is the perfect spot for Odell Beckham. I just think that Kenny Galladay has, we've seen, like, what have you done for me lately? We have like a year and a handful of weeks of sample of Odell Beckham really not playing particularly well on this Browns offense. Even Odell Beckham doesn't think you should start Odell Beckham. He said before last week, he doesn't think he's a guy you want to play in fantasy. Kenny Galladay, on the other hand, he does face a difficult matchup of the corners for the Saints, but it's a game with a, a similarly gate, great game environment, and it's a team that actually does, in some sense, sometimes care about throwing the football, whereas the Browns, if they're playing even modestly competitive, are probably not going to be throwing a ton. So I'll give the lean to Galladay, but it's not a, a chasm between the two. That's my lean, too. I do prefer Galladay, but I think it's closer than the, the chat indicates at this point. Um, another one, someone dropped Mark Ingram in a league. Someone's thinking about using a waiver bid to grab him. I think you should certainly pick up Mark Ingram. He specifies he already has Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, and Kareem Hunt. I mean, Mark Ingram is a running back for one of the most explosive offenses in all of the NFL. So even if you don't start him, I mean, throw him on your, throw him on your bench. See what happens. That's a three-man backfield right now, but that doesn't mean it's going to be going forward. And we want pieces of that Ravens backfield if it were to narrow. Thoughts on Ingram? Yeah, I, I don't love starting Ingram, although – We've seen Dobbins essentially operate as mostly a pass catching back. He got those goal line carries early in the season, but I believe he leads the team in receiving snaps uh, as far as the backfield goes. So Ingram in a game where they're winning or probably close, you know, 
is probably when you want to start him. So I wouldn't take him over either three of the backs he mentioned, although he would be the perfect, uh, like this would be the, a great time to play him. He's a favorite and that's typically where you want to play Mark Ingram and Kareem Hunt is not a lot to play. So he's actually a great insurance policy to have on Kareem Hunt, who I believe this person said they have on the roster. So Ingram definitely should be rostered in every league. Maybe you don't have to start him in every league, but for this specific roster, he's actually awesome insurance. Yeah, I actually like this quite a bit. I think you go pick him up right now. Yeah. But but that'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks, of course, to Yahoo, our title sponsor. Of course, check out the Awesome Express Pass for Showdown. You can get projections, ownership, everything you need. I am on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. Follow me there. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. Thank you guys so much. We will be back again next week for more Start Sit Decisions. Thank you for all the questions. It was a lot of fun. Good luck out there.